It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Chloe and it is great to have you out there listening. Now, I know a lot of you think I'm all about Shopify because we so frequently have Shopify customers on the show. And yes, I do love Shopify. I think it's made a massive difference to our industry and it's a a hugely powerful platform. But I am not all about Shopify. I'm all about e-commerce businesses making the right decisions about what platform their business should be using and regularly reviewing that decision as their business grows and the options available evolve, which they really do keep doing at the moment. So this podcast is all about what I learned at a Magento event. But I promise you there's great content coming for all, especially around mobile optimization and more general conversion rate optimization. So even if you're not on Magento or have no intention of ever going on Magento, I do suggest you stay tuned and we'll get straight into all of it after these messages from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler than with SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. With SendPro Online, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99. That's $4.99 a month. Try it free for 30 days and get a free £10 scale when you visit pb.com forward slash masterplan. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Last month, I went along to Meet Magento UK, essentially the annual UK Magento get together, although it's organised by a Magento agency, JH, rather than Magento themselves. What an event. I always find the best conferences are those where everyone is in the same tribe, which in our industry usually means they're using the same software. Why do I think these are great? Why are they great? Well, it's because of a couple of things. First off, everyone there has something in common the moment they walk through the door. They're using the same platform. They're invested in the same technology, which immediately creates a more connected atmosphere. You have something in common with everyone else there. In neuromarketing terms, that would be homophily at play. One of my favourite words to say, one of my favourite neuromarketing things too. But we're not about neuromarketing today. Today, we're about the Meet Magento conference. So it's great because everyone is kind of like, they feel like they're part of the same gang, which just lifts the atmosphere. It also means everything that's there, people, the speakers, the networking, the workshops, the sponsors, the exhibitors are relevant pretty much all the delegates. You're not going to get stuck in a session talking to an exhibitor or networking with people who you have nothing to learn from and nothing to gain from talking to because everyone is in that similar club, in that similar gang. If you've never been to such an event um, and one of your key suppliers or software uh, providers are hosting a client conference or an event in the near future, I strongly recommend going to it. They really do take industry events to another level, which is one of the reasons I went along to the Meet Magento on that and to up up my knowledge on what's happening in the Magento world because so much has changed in recent years with the changes from Magento 1 to Magento 2 and also the purchase by Adobe. So let's start off with uh, with kind of the big picture. So the Magento ecosystem, buzzword I know, but by that I mean the agencies, the Magento team themselves, the people using Magento, just like you guys out there, the thought leaders, everyone who's involved with using the Magento platform. That Magento ecosystem is very, very healthy currently. And certainly primed for great things in this post Adobe purchase, post M1, M2 world. Um, It was there was so much energy from everyone and so many exciting things being talked about. Um, I think it's going to be 
really, really fascinating to see how Magento evolves over the coming years. But also, if you are a Magento um, customer, there's a lot of great things coming down the pipeline for you too. Another big message from the event was the need for community, the need for all the people in that Magento ecosystem to get together and define how the Magento uh, software platform evolves. So this was one of the clearest messages. And it was really about how it's up to that Magento ecosystem to ensure that Adobe and the Magento team keep pushing the software in the direction that the users want it to go. Because of course it is fundamentally an open source product and there are many different people around the world creating developments to it all the time. So many hands should be creating a very powerful platform, but they do need that guiding angle of where to go. So community was a big word at the event and a kind of calling card, I suppose, a big call to action for all of those there. The first person we had talking about community was Guido Jansen, and he spoke about the newly created Magento Association, whose mission is to advance and empower the global Magento community and e-commerce in ecosystem through open collaboration, education and thought leadership. So basically, it's a formal body to give voice to the Magento users, to that Magento ecosystem. It sounds like an awesome endeavour. The heart is certainly in the right place with it. And they're working on some really interesting projects. So if you are a Magento user, a client or agency side, I highly recommend going and checking out their website, seeing what they're what they're planning and getting involved and do it now because it's currently completely free to join up because they've only launched this year. They're, they're allowing you access for free right now. So that's the Magento Association, a must join thing if you are involved in the Magento world. Um, there's links to everything I'm going to mention today in the show notes. You can find Find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast and then click on the link to this episode. So Guido told us all about the Magento Association. And then the day was wrapped up by e-commerce evangelist Philip Jackson, who made an impassioned plea to encourage everyone in the Magento community to work together to make Magento even greater. It's impossible for me to replicate what Phil did. He did such a such an amazing job and it was such a, a clear story, but I cannot replicate it here. But I will just say that it's clear that there's huge opportunity for those of you using Magento to really set the scene and really uh, carve out the path you want it to take at the moment. So go and join the Magento Association. And if you want to know more about what's going on behind the scenes at Magento, if this this podcast today is whetting your appetite, then of course, keep listening to this show because we do regularly talk about subjects which will be relevant to you. And we do regularly have Magento uh, users on here. But Phil, uh, Phil, Philip Jackson rather, who um, did that that last keynote at the end of the day. He's also the host of the Mage Talk podcast, M-A-G-E-T-A-L-K, which is all about Magento and what's going on in the world of Magento. So if you're on Magento, that is well worth a listen. But as I said, don't replace this one with it. Just listen to it as well as this one. You have have room for multiple podcasts in your world. Right, let's get into um, some, some of the tech updates that were there around Magento. So there were some very exciting tech development pieces coming down the pipeline. If you're on Magento, your agency is going to be able to to explain them to you in much better detail and much more relevantly than I can. So ask them. There's some very exciting things on the way. If you haven't spoken to your agency about what's coming down the line recently, then do. Um, What I will say, though, is that it's a platform that's pushing in some great directions. So there are exciting things to come for those of you who've already made that leap to Magento 2. Now, I mentioned M1, M2 a couple of times here, and I think it's something which, whether you're on Magento or not, you really ought to to understand. So uh, a couple of years ago now, Magento announced that they were launching Magento 2 and that Magento 1 would be discontinued. 
And to go from Magento 1 to Magento 2 is a complete rebuild. It's a start from scratch. Those of you who are on Shopify will be familiar that if you want to go from Shopify to Shopify Plus, you pretty much hit a button and there you are. This is not the same thing at all. It is a complete different code stack, which is why Magento 1 is not going to be supported in the future. So that has been a huge talking point. There was less talk about it actually at the the event than I thought there might be. All that that I really picked up on were some very vague rumours and these were not said by anyone official. No one in power said these and they were mainly based on the I think they'd be mental to uh, to stop supporting M- M1, Magento 1 completely. So there's some very vague rumours that M1 will still be supported post the end date that's recently been announced. However... Like I said, nothing official, nothing from anyone in power, nothing um, said on that from anyone with any insight, just general business people going, but there's thousands of people using it. Why would they turn it off? So if you are still on Magento 1 and haven't yet made the leap to Magento 2 or to something else, please don't take that as a green light to do not to not do anything rather. You should still be assessing right now, probably, because um, time is time is against you. You should still be assessing what sh- software platform you should be on and planning that move. My advice to anyone who's currently on Magento 1 and who needs to, to move on to another platform is to look at all the options out there. Really carefully look at what you're currently um, needing uh, for your business and what you'll need in, in the coming years and then find the right platform for that because there's, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of people on Magento 1 for whom Magento 2 is not the right solution. However, if Magento 2 is the right solution, there are some amazing agencies out there who have a lot of experience in building a great Magento 2 site now. So you have plenty of options because it's been around for a year or so. Okay, enough on Magento 1, Magento 2. And thank you to those of, those of you who've, who've, who are non-Magento because now we're going to get into some other stuff which is going to be relevant for everybody. Let's talk mobile. One of the community endeavours that they've already been been doing at Magento is to bring together a number of merchants, agencies and specialists to fast track testing and improvements of how Magento functions on mobile. So they've done an, done a mobile e-commerce optimization initiative, pithy name. <laughs> so brought together a whole load of people to test a whole load of ideas and different things. As they were telling us about this during the panel session, they were, cur- they were, they were running 120 tests at that time. So they are still actively testing and you can still join uh, that test community. It's mobileoptimized.org, the US spelling. So there's a Z in there. Um, and that's for only for Magento 2 people. Now, the panel session was some of the people who've been involved in this project and they ran through some of the highlights of their findings. So I wanted to bring those to you. So these, of course, are going to be things which are relevant for people on any platform because these are tests and tricks you can run which will improve or should improve because, of course, all of these things you need to test and see if it actually does. But they should improve your mobile uh, e-commerce performance. So here we go. Uh, So according to Adobe's own stats, Cyber Monday 2018, 51.4% of visitors were using a mobile, but only 34% of transactions happened on mobile. So there's a huge gap there, which they're referring to as the mobile revenue gap. And that's the whole reason they set up this testing group was to try and close that mobile revenue gap. Now, whether that's possible, I think is a whole other question due to the way we use mobile phones and the spaces where we're using those as opposed to on a desktop. But I think it's it's an honourable target. Now, for those tests 
to measure the success of them, they were using the KPI that I know a lot of you won't have heard of, but it's, so I'll explain it. It's called RPV, which stands for Revenue Per Visitor. It's actually a very, very simple KPI. It is the total value of sales during the test period, so say during the month of May, um, divided by the total number of visitors during the test period, say the month of May. And that gives you a revenue per visitor to the website. And it's a great stat because it's it's very global. So it's if you're trying to measure the impact of your email marketing, it's not going to help very much. But if you're trying to measure the impact of changing your homepage strapline or the measure the impact of changing your branding or a whole new product range you put in put into the mix or a refocusing of the business or you've started putting more about us information out there, it's a great way of, of assessing the impact of those big shift changes. So likewise, it's a great way to um, to also assess the impact of the changes I'm about to run through. So here's some of the results they shared of that mobile e-commerce optimization initiative. So first off, collapsing the coupon or promo code boxes. So you know, as you go through the checkout, you've got the promo code box there. If you have that collapsed, so you have to click to, to make it appear, then that increases RPV, that revenue per visitor, by 3.34% on mobile. The caveat to that though, is that if you are actively encouraging customers to use promo codes, so for example, if you're a catalog business and you use them to track response, then test this carefully or you might see a huge negative impact on customer service. We've lots of people phoning up going, where do I put in my promo code? But it can be powerful. So like I said, all these things you need to test. Now the next one, removing the wish list feature from product pages, checkout, etc. So basically just removing wish list completely. That increased revenue per visit, RPV, by 5.62% on mobile, which I guess is, is one of those things of you know, we all often put wish list into a into a website, but does anyone actually ever use the wish list? And if none of your customers are using the wish list, remove it, remove that distraction, make it make it simpler. Of course, if your customers are very actively using the wish list, then maybe not such a good idea. But like I said, these are ideas for things you should test, not necessarily make the change and assume it's worked. Okay, the third one, automatically update the cart when quantity, etc. changes are made. So this is when you, you know, you go to your cart and you remove something and then you have to click the button to update cart or you increase quantity to two and you have to click another button to update. So if you automatically make those changes, that increased RPV on mobile by 8.19%. That's massive. And one wonders why we haven't already made that the case anyway. It just seems a lot of these were kind of like, well, sure. Yeah, it's kind of obvious, but hey, it's been tested. It's been proved. So it's worth testing on your side. And then the fourth one, do not remove breadcrumbs. So one of the things they thought about doing to clear, clean things up on the page was to remove those breadcrumbs you get across the top of the page. That had a minus 7.09% impact on RPV. So that's a terrible thing to do. Keep those breadcrumbs in there. So yeah, some good ideas for testing to improve your mobile conversion rates. And you can find all the results in detail. So loads of great graphs. They had like three or four graphs per each of those things I mentioned. So plenty of detail. You can find those, those at the, all those at the mobileoptimize.org website, which was with the Z. And I've got links to all of that again on the show notes page, which you can find via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And then just click on the link to this Meet Magento episode. The number one lesson from all of that would be keep it simple, um, as well as test, I suppose. Uh, then we go into the the next set of updates I've got were from the IMRG. This was a session by the IMRG's Andy McCauley, who's um, 
deep in e-commerce data, it would be fair to say. And this is completely non-Magento data. So whilst that last set of tests I mentioned have all been tested on Magento 2, this next set are platform agnostics. They're from all over the place. And before I get into them, if you're not familiar with the IMRG, um, if you're in the UK, you really should be. They are a body who exist to represent the needs of internet retailers in the UK. They do a lot of lobbying of government. They do a huge amount of looking at stats. And, you know, if you've ever seen anyone official looking, talking about the Black Friday impact, it's probably someone from IMRG if you've seen them on the BBC or ITV or something. So they are well worth being aware of. It does cost money to be a member, but if you're on their list, on their mailing list, you will at least get some of that that insight. So if you're in the UK and you haven't heard of IMRG, go and find out more at imrg.org. Again, there's a link in the show notes, ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, and click on the link to this Meet Magento show. Okay, so let me explain what, what Andy was sharing. So the IMRG get full data feeds from many of their retail members. So they kind of aggregate all that data together and then they interrogate it to find trends in the industry to kind of take things we all talk about and see if they're really true or not. And it was some of these that Andy was sharing around the world of conversion rate optimization. So basically, they drilled into a couple of these key conversion areas and looked at across a range of retailers to, to see what made the difference. So Andy was showing us these quite complicated but quite pretty slides where each retailer was a column and then each thing they'd looked at to see if it made an improvement was down the left-hand side and then you could see which retailers it had and hadn't worked for and get some idea of correlation between was this a good thing to do or a bad thing to do. It's fair to say the great majority of it was we should probably test that then oh my god that's groundbreaking Why, why have we not been doing it that way? But let's face it, there's so many things we can test. If we can get some guidance as to which things are more important to test, then that's always good. So I'm going to take you through a couple of the nuggets in a second. But first of all, he also shared, and I know you guys will love this because I know how much you love a benchmark. He shared the funnel benchmarks for average performance across all those retailers' data feeds they get into their system. So this is UK data. It's across a whole range of different industry sectors, but it's all about e-commerce conversion. So starting at the top of the funnel, the percentage of people who view a product page, so that's everyone who gets to your website who then sees a product page should be 56%. That's the industry benchmark. 56% of site visitors view a product page. 56. Then add to basket So of those who've got to a product page, how many of them to then add a product to the basket is 19%. That's 1.9%. Then how many of those who add to basket enter the checkout is 57%. And then of those who enter the checkout who get through the payment process is 58%. So your funnel benchmarks from whole of site to view a product page. 56%, 56%, to add to basket, 19%, to check out, 57%, to payment, 58%. And those numbers are all in the show notes. For those of you who are listening whilst running or uh, driving or somewhere where you definitely can't write them down for yourself. So don't worry, you don't need to remember those. Just remember to go to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast and then click on the Meet Magento episode and you will find those numbers um, bullet pointed, really easy to find on the page. So there you go, some benchmarks to go and um, look at yourself against. And also, I think that's a 
that funnel structure is a great way to keep an eye on how your website overall is is performing. So if you haven't got that funnel set up in your Google Analytics, then I suggest you get that done too. Right. So the tips and things to test that I took from Andy's session. Here we go. First up, the review score position on the product page should almost certainly be right under the title and before the price. So there was a definite correlation between those who had the best conversion rates being the ones who had their product page set up as product title, review score, and then other things underneath that, rather than the ones who had product title, price, review score. Live chat, the average number of sessions that use live chat across all these websites that Andy and the team at IMRG look at is just 0.3%, which got me thinking that probably shouldn't have it deploying on every page then, because if that few number of people are doing it, yes, it's hugely valuable for those. It's a, it's a really powerful sales channel and it works, but we need to look at ways of making live chat work better for us. So where do we put it up? Where do we let it play? And where do we, um, and what questions do we ask? You know, what does it say when it deploys on those pages? From what Andy's seen, the most popular topics for live chat conversations are product information queries, returns and refunds, and payment. So that rather suggests to me that you should definitely have them deploying on product pages, but whether or not they need to be there on the homepage is a whole other question. So you might want to try some uh, strategic deployment of your live chat. Which pages does it actually happen on and which ones doesn't it? There you go. There's there's a big old project to keep you busy. Uh, Right. Then on-site search. This was the third piece that I took from Andy's Andy's, um, session. This does tend to be used by those who are most likely to check out because it's kind of, is it a cause or is it an effect? You know, are the people who are most likely to buy the ones who use search or are the people who use search? Does that make them more likely to buy? So they are pretty invested customers. They are quite likely to check out already. One of the bizarre results he showed was that the impact of getting nothing back in the search results on some websites increased conversion rate, which the mind boggles. So there's certainly a correlation that the people who are using on-site search are the ones who are most likely to buy from you. Therefore, trying to drive people to site search in order to increase conversion rate is not necessarily the right way to go, but you should make sure it's easy to find for those who want it because they are quite invested in doing business with you. He also showed that it's generally better not to have perfect results. So for example, if on your site someone searches for green shoes and you show them only green shoes, it may actually be better to have some green boots on there too or to have some blue shoes or something like that. So some slightly imperfect results, so slightly expanded versions can have a better result than being really perfect into the letter. And then also that this this one kind of boggles the mind is that the effectiveness of site search has absolutely no correlation at all with how many SKUs you have. So the power of site search does not increase based on how many SKUs you have. So it's not more likely to work well for someone who has a thousand SKUs compared to someone who has 10. Crazy, eh? But um, it does mean, you know, site search is a powerful tool for all of us, I suppose, um, which is good to know. So if you also, if you haven't looked at what people are searching for on your website and how your site search is performing, then that's a really simple one to go and look at in Google Analytics. A couple of clicks and you'll be able to see it. It shouldn't take any setup. So there's another one for you to go and have a look at. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. 
Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler. With SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99 a month. Send envelopes, flaps and packages right from your desk. And for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. Save time and money on mailing and shipping with SemPro Online. Starting at $4.99 per month, you can also qualify for special USPS rates for letters and priority mail shipping, calculate exact postage online and do it all by printing from your PC. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get you started. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Experience shipping made simple with a free trial of SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. So there you go. Those are my takeaways from Meet Magento UK 2019. As I said, it was a super interesting event. It was great to be enveloped in one of the ecosystem worlds of our industry for a day. A fantastic event, hugely, hugely interesting conversations, interesting delegates. Uh, The exhibitors were, were spot on for the audience they had there. And the sessions really did, did get me thinking. A lot of them were, were more, were too technical for me to bring you on the podcast or were ones which were more about about um, kind of driving things forward and changing your mindset, which is why I can't quite replicate them on here either. But a huge congratulations to the team at JH for bringing such a strong set of content together. I am really, really glad I went. If you're on Magento and you're keen to get involved, then go and check out the URLs I mentioned and maybe go to Magento Live Europe. That's the next closest um, event happening in the UK, which is an the Magento Lives are actually run by Magento themselves, and that's happening in Amsterdam on the 22nd and 23rd of October this year. Or make sure you're uh, you're signed up to hear more about when Meet Magento UK happens in 2020, because I think I think that one is a definite must go to, even if you can't quite quite skip over the seas to Amsterdam. And there are Magento events happening all around the world. Uh, you can actually find a list of those on the Magento Association site. So wherever you are, I'm sure there's something happening near you soon. And to get your hands on all the links I mentioned and the show notes with the funnel data and all the rest of it, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast and click on the link to this episode. And if you're enjoying the e-commerce masterplan podcast, do share it with your colleagues, with your e-commerce friends on Twitter, Facebook, over a coffee, over a pint, uh, via Instagram. Uh, green tea, peppermint tea. I really don't mind, but it'd be great if you could spread the word over further because I love the fact that this podcast helps people every day to improve their businesses. And the more people I can help, the better this all becomes. So have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.